This morning, we're going to look at God's Word together, and we are going to do a tag team approach. So we are going to the book of Colossians. If I don't cry all over the place. <laughs> chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Colossians chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. I'm going to read four verses here from the NIV. And the Word of God says, The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, now notice this because this is really important, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. This morning, we would like to talk to you from the perspective that the gospel is global, okay? The gospel is global. Paul says here, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Now, I recognize many of you are more academically inclined, so I came up with a secondary title to fit your predisposition, which would be ecclesiastical and missiological momentum for eschatological anticipation. But that's probably a little bit too deep for the first service, so can we just stay with the gospel is global? Is that okay? All right, we have consensus in the house. Praise God for that. Now, some of you know my story. I was born in Kenya, which makes me a bit of an African-American. My mom was born in South Africa. My grandparents are from Canada. Uh, We currently work in Kenya, Burundi, and Tanzania. And what God is doing in Kenya among the Maasai is remarkable because they now want to become missionaries to go back to Burundi. And very quickly, when you associate with the Kurds, you begin to recognize that the gospel has a global and worldwide dimension to it, all right? Now, would you notice with me Paul's description here of this global gospel message? He says, the gospel is a message based on eternal hope that is stored up in heaven. He says, this hope and this gospel overflow in the life of a believer to produce faith and to produce love in our hearts and our lives. And I love what he says. The gospel always does two things. Did you catch it? He says, the gospel always grows and the gospel always bears fruit. It reminds me of Pastor Charlie's message last Sunday when he was talking about the church on the move. Why is the church on the move? Because the gospel is eternally and perpetually on the move. When you encounter the gospel of Jesus Christ, something awakens inside of you that produces fruit and always expands and claims new territory for the kingdom of God. So put it all together and you have a message of eternal hope that will produce faith and love in our hearts. Something we love to say is that the whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. That's a whole lot of words I just said. (laughs) So let me say it again. We always like to say that the whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. And so this morning, we want to just focus on one of the nations that we work in, that we've had a privilege of working in, and apply that thought about the whole gospel. And we're going to look at the country of Burundi. It's a really, really, really tiny country in East Africa. Some even kind of say it's Central Africa because it borders Congo. Stephen moved there in 2007. That's when you guys first picked him up for support. So you've been supporting him uh, before I came yep. before I came into the picture. So thank you for taking care of this single guy. <laughs> but it's a small country. 
it went through the same genocide that Rwanda went through. I just don't hear the stories as much. There's not as much publicity about that because where Rwanda came to a more stabilized place, Burundi still had a lot of conflict even through some recent years. Um, there's about 12 million people who live in the country. According to the World Bank, according to uh, the, the GDP, and then the gross national income, it is the poorest country in the world. And yet, God is moving. So we're going to take a look um, at the sermon this morning, thinking about Burundi, thinking about the gospel being global, and that the whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel into the whole world. world. So the gospel is global. Yep. And the first point that we're going to look at this morning is the strategy for the global gospel. Now, notice what Paul says here in Colossians chapter 1, because it's very interesting. He's going to identify that there is a specific purpose and a specific person. And the person is connected to the purpose, and he identifies this person as being none other than Epaphras, right? And he says, you heard about it through our dear and faithful servant Epaphras. Now, I would like to just pause for a moment and say, if Paul is going to take the time in recorded scripture to identify an individual, there must have been something exceptional about this person. Would you agree with me? It's interesting that when you look up Epaphras in the Greek, it basically means this idea of uh, beautiful. It's this idea of lovely. It's this idea that this man was a faithful uh, gospel worker who uh, was entrusted with delivering God's word to the Colossian church. And I would suggest this morning, if there's one word that we could use to characterize him, it would be the word healthy. He was a healthy leader. He was a healthy church planter. And because he was a healthy church planter, he was able to plant a healthy church. Now that may sound almost too elementary, but I would suggest today that Paul's global gospel strategy always looks like healthy leadership being in place within a healthy local church in order for the church to be able to engage missionally with the culture around them. And by that, I mean getting outside the four walls of the church. The Epaphras we want to talk to you guys about this morning is our dear friend, Jerome. And Jerome in Saidaba. He is in Burundi. You've been friends with him. This is a picture. They were being crazy one day and put hats on, and they just thought it was the funniest thing um, Jerome did. He just started laughing. So that's By the it. way, he is the general superintendent, he is the general of, the superintendent of the Burundi Assembly of God. Okay. Little out of character there. But uh, they didn't. Ha- he didn't own a hat, and so we had a supporting church send us some hats from Oklahoma and they just got a kick out of that. So we love Jerome. Jerome went through Global University with Stephen when Stephen was first a missionary there in 2007, just a humble, meek leader. He lost his first wife to an illness, lived through the genocide. This man's acquainted with suffering, yet has a gospel heart, has a kingdom heart, has been building the kingdom of God. And through a series of events, he did become the general superintendent of the Burundi Assemblies of God. And he is this faithful man who hears from God, and he went to Stephen and the other missionaries at the time. Um, he was an associate pastor in the capital city in Burundi. And he said, I feel like God's calling me to plant a church in Gitega. And at the time, this town, Gitega, was known as the evangelical graveyard. You did not plant a church in Gitega. Um, mosques were flourishing, but churches were not. And Jerome said, I, I feel like that's what we're called to do. And so um, through a series of events, you guys were a part of helping build a tabernacle there. You were a part of helping launch that church. Um, since then, the church has expanded. They run over 1,000 people on a Sunday morning. 
Um, He has, out of his own church, planted 10 other churches. He obviously became healthy enough, strong enough, faithful enough of a leader to be leading the entire Burundi Assemblies of God. He's made beautiful relationships with the Tanzanian Assemblies of God, Kenya Assemblies of God. Um, He now had a vision to start a church planting school. And we've had the privilege to partner with him to help serve that vision of that national church. And now there have been over 50 churches planted because of Jerome's faithfulness. Yeah. Um, there's a picture, I think, of our church planting school right after that. Yeah, these are our current classes. Um, we'll be with them in just a few weeks. There were about 43 students that went through our church planting school. We were actually at capacity this year, which is a great problem to have. And this is all because Jerome has been a faithful leader and he has had a beautiful strategy for the national church. That's right. So we talked about the strategy of the global gospel. Yep. Let's look at the impact of the global gospel. Yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. You know, there's, there's good news happening around the globe. I promise. <laughs> I've been out during COVID. I promise. There is good things happening. And sometimes we can get so focused on what's happening in our nation or, you know, the other nations that are in turmoil or just this upheaval, weird time that we're living in. But the gospel is good news. And there is still good news of the gospel that is going forth. It is still bearing fruit. Those 43 smiling faces you just saw are actual proof that they're experiencing the gospel and the gospel is going forth. So let me give you some numbers. When I moved to Burundi in 2007, the population was about 9 million people. About 5% were estimated to be born again. So that'd be about 400,000 people. That's according to the Joshua Project. Fast forward to 2021, and the Joshua Project now estimates somewhere around 25% of Burundi are born again with a population of 12 million. So if you do the math, that means in the last 15 years, more than 100,000 people have been coming to Jesus across that country, right? And that's the macro picture. Let's look at the micro picture for us. Bailey already mentioned it, but as of last week, we've been able to put in 57 new churches in the last three years. We did a survey in August of 2020 because we wanted to get some metrics to know how to quantify this. For every new church that has been going in in Burundi, we discovered that between 75 to 150 people come to Jesus within the first month. So you do the math quickly and you'll discover that somewhere around 10,000 people just in the assemblies of God have come to Jesus in the last three years. That's worth celebrating. That's an illustration of the gospel is global. One of the examples of the impact that we can tell you from Burundi is a pastor, uh, we call him Superman. I think there's a photo. Um, He wears this hat, Uh, Pastor Laurent. We love Pastor Laurent. He planted a church 13 years ago when he was about 60 years old. Now, what's interesting about that, the life expectancy in Burundi for a male is about 61 years old. Right, and we like to retire in America even around 65, 70, and here he is planting a church, and he planted it in an area where they were a little hostile to the gospel. There's another world religion, right, that's in that area that didn't want him there, didn't want the church there. And he served that community, he loved that community, he showed up faithfully every week as a pastor, And on Sunday mornings, they have, um, you can kind of see, I think on the right-hand side, you can see the blue door and there's aluminum sheeting on that roof. And what the community would do on Sunday mornings as the church would gather is they would throw rocks at the roof to create a really loud, distracting sound. And 
this went on for years. He's been faithful. The church wasn't really growing. Um, we had a donor come to us and say, hey, would you, would you have a project like schools that we could get behind? And Stephen and I said, yeah, actually, we, we really want to start primary schools in Burundi. And Pastor Laurent's church was one of the first places that we put a primary school, which you can see in the background, um, on his property. And when that happened, the community all of a sudden realized what you've been saying about your God, what you've been saying about Jesus is real. How many know something powerful happens when the church gets outside the four walls of the church and begins to serve the community and engages missionally to serve felt needs? It begins yeah. to speak of the impact of God's love in a tangible yes. way. And they, they saw, you love our kids. You're providing something that is not available for our children. And so now that church is packed on Sunday mornings. That school is packed. We're having to deal with those problems. <laughs> what do you do when there's too many people? And so God, and out of that church, Pastor Ron has sent several church planters to the church planning school. They're planning churches over Burundi. So when the gospel is making that impact in that place, there's good fruit that is bearing. The third part that we wanna talk about this morning, we've talked about the strategy We've talked about the impact. We want to look at the experience of the global gospel. Notice what Paul says here in Colossians 1 again, because it's very interesting. He says, the faith and love that spring from the hope that are stored up for you in heaven. Now, let me ask a question. What would you say characterizes Paul's global gospel? I would suggest to you that it's intangible qualities and characteristics that our world are dying for in the year 2020 and 2021, the hope and love and faith that can be found in no one else other than Jesus Christ, right? Now, here's the dilemma, because in the West, and I guess many other parts of the world, we often associate the gospel with material exchanges or material interactions. And the transaction might go like this. Who needs Jesus? Okay, he's going to give you a better job. He's going to give you a better car. He's going to give you a better house. Now, we believe in God's blessing and provision in our lives. Amen? However, at some point, if the church is not deliberate to articulate the intangible benefits of what Christ does, that it is exclusively his love, his faith, his peace, his joy that he releases internally in our hearts, what we do is we set up a dichotomy where if someone doesn't receive the same blessing that quote unquote has been predefined, they somehow feel that God has failed them or let them down. And I love what Paul says here in this place where he says the experience of the global gospel. Do you know we have a dilemma and a challenge to make sure that we are presenting Jesus period and not Jesus plus. Jesus plus looks like come to Jesus and dot, dot, dot. You get the Ferrari and the Porsche and the car and the new house and the new dog and the whatever else it may be. And I think Paul's perspective here is to give us a wake up call and say, do you know that if all that you have is Jesus, you have more than enough? And did you know that if Jesus never does another single thing for you in your entire life, he's already done more than enough at the cross of Calvary to ensure that you will be eternally blessed in heaven? That's so good. There's just such beauty in showing up in places where Jesus is enough, right? It's so beautiful when we can really say Jesus is enough. And there's a pastor I want to highlight out of Burundi as we look at the experience of the global gospel. And his name is Pastor Celestian. Pastor Celestian, so sweet. Um, he graduated from our church planning school last year in the middle of the pandemic. We had actually not even met Celestian until we showed up at his church that he had planted. He left church planning school in June last summer, 
Um, he comes from the third tribe that's in Burundi. There's three tribes. Two of them were the ones that people famously know that have been in conflict, the Hutus and the Tutsis. And he comes from the Batwa people. The Batwa are the pygmy people. They're severely marginalized. And he went right back into this community in a place in um, northern Burundi. And he went door to door. And instantly, like 150 people in that tribe came to know Jesus this marginalized community because Celestian was faithful to go. And we got to pull up there last November. It was almost dusk. We weren't planning on going. And um, we talked about our Epaphras, Pastor Jerome, Bishop Jerome. He said, let's, let's swing by there. Celestian gathered people in the community. They showed up at the church and it was almost dusk. There's no electricity in this area of Burundi. So it's very, very dark, but there was enough light. And as we opened the car doors, this sound erupted and they were singing. I won't sing for you because as pastor mentioned earlier, people used to sell albums, but you would not want to buy ours if we were singing anyway. So, <laughs> but they were singing this song called Karibuni, basically saying, welcome, you're welcome here. And the joy that they had as new believers, those who had been so marginalized, cut off from the rest of society, felt that intense joy and they danced and dust went flying everywhere. Um, and it's such a beautiful, tangible experience that we have had, that they have had with the gospel because there was a beautiful vision for, for the gospel being global. Yeah, and remember, this is the poorest country in the world. No yeah. shoes, no electricity, nothing. And yet the joy is tangible. So people often say, well, you guys must be such a blessing to them. And I go, well, I hope so. But let me be honest right. with you and say they are far right. more of a blessing to us because they remind us over and over again that church is not about stuff. Yeah. Church is about experiencing the reality yes. of who Jesus is. Yes, yes. And it's beautiful when you show up and there's not Jesus and something else. I want Jesus and my air conditioning this morning. I want Jesus and my favorite worship song. I want Jesus and pastor better not preach anything that steps on my toes. They just want Jesus. Yeah. And so that is the experience that this gospel brings. And yes, we're helping this community with, with their fundamental needs because there are great needs there. But it's beautiful when it's just Jesus plus. Do you wanna kinda, there you go. Um, we're just trying to keep you on time and not keep you in an Africa service this morning. So <laughs> we're used to going five hours. So I don't know what you had planned the rest of the day, but we'll let you out by like two. Um, <laughs> so the fourth thing we really want to look at as we wrap up is the vision for the global gospel. And how many know that when a missionary from Africa says that they're closing or wrapping up, right. it doesn't mean anything, right? <laughs> okay, just checking. All right, so we've said that, you know, the gospel's global, right? And I love this idea here by definition, uh, the gospel is indeed global. It's worldwide in its scope. And this gives us a perspective that's bigger than ourselves. And I think if we're going to understand what Paul's saying here, at some point there has to be this deliberate yes. and intentional step that says, I'm going to force myself to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going to force myself to step out of my insular perspective, right? And the gospel here, Paul is saying, it's not just for the Colossians or the Philippians. In fact, the gospel wasn't just for one church or one location or one area or one country or one region. It wasn't just for Evangel Temple or Springfield. It is global in its dimensions, right? And the early church in Jerusalem, of course, is going to wrestle with this issue about whether or not the gospel could go behind beyond the Jews. But finally, Peter will take the message to the Gentiles and Paul 
Paul will take it to the Middle East, and we know that the rest is history, right? The rest is history. So we like to say that when I moved to Burundi, my, the vision that God put in my heart was a healthy church within walking distance of every Burundian. A healthy church within walking distance of every Burundian. The, the nation's the size of Maryland. We have about uh, 85 churches now with the Burundi Assemblies of God Fellowship. We believe that if we can put in 300, that that goal will be accomplished. It's, it's, it's doable. It's yeah. a reality. We've been putting in about 30 to 40 churches a year. So as God enables in the next three to four years here, we anticipate that this will become feasible. Yes. Gospel goes and the gospel grows. And what we've seen is, is even we got to visit on this last trip 19 of the 57 churches that we've helped plant in the past few years. And you guys are an extension of that. And so I, we have to make sure that we greet you on behalf of your Burundi family because they love greetings. Thank and if you. it's okay with you guys, we'll send your greetings back to them when we go in a few weeks. Um, they would love that. And they always ask, how are the churches going in America? Because they know it's not just Stephen and I there. It's so many of you, so many other churches, so many other individuals that help support us. And so um, you guys have a great vision for that and it's able to build visions around the world. One of the last stories we wanna tell you of Burundi is our friend, Pastor Adrian. The local friends of his call him Chiza. And he just recently became the district superintendent for the capital area in Burundi, but his actual church is in a rural area. And not too many years ago, he was selling banana beer. Did you know that that was a thing? Because I did not know that that was a thing. I was like, I'm Pentecostal. I don't even, <laughs> didn't know banana beer was something that existed. But one day Adrian was selling banana beer and he felt like this voice spoke to him and said, I'm calling you to build my church and to plant churches. And he's like, what? So he went nearby. Thankfully, there was a healthy Assemblies of God church he explained what had happened. He got discipled, became obviously born again, got on fire for Jesus. And then he went and he started a church in Gihanga in the year 2015. That church began to grow over those three years. Um, he ended up even selling his house out of obedience to God to help build the church. Then he raised up other leaders, moved down the road where he's at right now in Regombo. He started um, like a relaunch of that church. There was about 15 people. In the first month or so, he grew it to over 100 people. And then now he's raised several church plants out of his church. I can think of three right now. Yeah. And uh, this photo right here was us back in June. Um, Pastor uh, Adrian is right there in the blue pants on the left of Stephen and I. This, um, the gentleman that's on his right that's smiling really large, that's Pastor Pierre. And that's one of the people that he raised up out of his own church. And now that's Pierre's congregation that I had the privilege of speaking at that morning. Adrian had a vision, but he had to follow God's vision to be able to keep planting churches. And you have these beautiful Epaphras stories that help make the gospel continue to be global. Did you know the district where Pastor Adrian is now the district superintendent in Kirundi is called Chibitoke? Do you know what Chibitoke means? Probably no one here. We will give you $100 Kirundi. if anyone knows what that means. <laughs> it means the place of the bananas. How awesome that God would call someone who used to sell banana beer to now plant churches yeah. in the place of the bananas. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> God has a uh, ironic sense, sense of, humor. of humor. We're talking about the vision of the global gospel. And I'd like to close for real this time with uh, the illustration um, that I love to use that keeps my missional vision 
uh, fired up and active in my heart. Somewhere around Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, John the Revelator takes out his smartphone and takes a picture of the throne of God. Obviously, he doesn't really have a smartphone, but he says, and I saw representatives from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, and they were gathered around the throne and they're worshiping the Lamb, right? Now, I like to imagine when the Word of God says that this is going to happen, that it is a literal event one day around the throne. And so in my mind, uh, missiologists tell us there's more than 17,000 languages on planet Earth right now. John said he heard every single language. I don't speak all those languages, but I do speak a few. And so I imagine on the final day, you can hear uh, the Brits in England that are born again saying, holy, 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 you are worthy, Lamb of God, to receive praise and honor and glory. And then you can hear our brothers and sisters from Burundi, the Batois, the Hutu and the Tutsi singing in Kirundi, Urabereye, Urabereye, Kuakira, Ugushimirgo, Ubugenge, Nichubahiro, Chose, and then the language that I grew up speaking in Kenya, which is of course Swahili, Unastahili, Unastahili, Mwanawa Kondoku, Abudiwa, Kwasababu, Lisulubishwa, Kwadilietu, and then for those of you who are more from the Hispanic background, Eres digno que el Codero de Dios de recibir la gloria, el poder, la honra para siempre, and I hear there might be some French speakers here in the house. Seigneur, tu es digne de recevoir toute la gloire, la puissance et l'adoration à jamais, à jamais. And if you've ever seen Discovery Channel with the Maasai guys, yeah, 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 right? You can see them jumping around the throne and they're singing, and it's all mixed together and the Africans are there undulating. And it's going to be this glorious worship experience. And then Paul says that the gospel is global. There has to be some kind of a vision that erupts inside our heart that says, God, whatever you're doing on planet Earth in this hour and in this generation, I want to be in the middle of it. And so our prayer and our encouragement and our challenge for you guys today is that you would continue to be missional as a church but more so you would deliberately find your place within God's missional plan in this generation that says, as for me and my house, we are going to be a part of the global gospel. We want to pray for you guys and then Pastor Charlie's coming back up. Lord, we thank you so much today for the wonderful people and friends and brothers and sisters and family here at Evangel Temple. Lord, so many of them have been so faithful to pray for us, and so we take a moment to pray back for them. And specifically, Lord, I want to ask that your love would be released in our hearts like never before, that your peace would rule and reign in our minds, that you would transform us, Lord, by this glorious gospel message. And we pray specifically that there would be a spirit of joy that would be released over your people again. Lord, we know this has been a very difficult season, but we also know that through the difficulty that Jesus is being glorified and the gospel is going and the gospel is growing. And so we just pray today that something of the joy that Paul is trying to articulate here to the Colosseum Church would erupt in our hearts and lives. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.